special disclaimer that I, Mystic, am an employee of Wizards of the Coast on the D&D team. Hey y'all, the next few episodes of Utopia will be more horror-leaning than other episodes of Utopia as the party venture into the realm of the Nightmare King. Here's your content warning for the next couple of episodes. This stream may contain scenes and themes some find distressing. Mentions of blood, needles, injections, gore, graphic descriptions, breaking teeth, claustrophobia, death, drowning, drug use, general violence, and disturbing imagery may occur. Our cast will be using lines and veils. If you find scenes too distressing, please feel comfortable exiting. Last time on Utopia Podcast, the party left their camp somewhere on the road to the gate and began to track the party and the satyrs, leaving the road behind and searching for where they might find this satyr party. After some time, they found the satyrs sleeping in the grass, began to understand that for them to go to the party, they needed to sleep themselves. All of the party, except for Godfrey, had to sleep. A large minotaur figure walks towards Godfrey from the trees. That is where we find the party. draped in leather and green armor with leaves and wields a large staff with an orb at the top of it that glows almost like a dream of space and smoky ichor. He's very large, maybe 12 feet tall as he walks toward you. His fur is a dark brown his face, uh, his muzzle is like a light fawn color that bleeds into that darker brown, sorrel-ish color. His hooves kind of crunch, crunch as he makes it through the tree line. And he looks down at you, not too far. Less than he does for most people. So you're the one... Perhaps. Are you a Rudy? Kind of bows his head and snorts, and when he does, the ring in the nos- his nostrils kind of shakes. Godfrey will take off his hat and go into a deep bow. As you do that, Rudy looks over at Garakaius. Good to see you again. Garakaius just looks up. Yeah, good to see you too. It's been a while. Did you come alone? No, my companions have fallen asleep. Ah, yes. The invitation. This way. And he turns and heads back through the tree line. Godfrey will follow. The crunching under his hooves seems to quickly change to the step of hoof on solid stone. But for you, it feels as if you've walked an indeterminable amount of time and the landscape slowly shifts from this forest to this almost black obsidian solid space. There's flecks of white throughout the stone that surrounds you, and you're on a staircase walking up, and below all the stone, it's just this black void. And he's silent the whole time, but he doesn't seem um, 
unapproachable or unwilling to speak if Godfrey were to ask a question or try to talk to him. Mm-hmm. I think Godfrey would stay quiet unless he was addressed. Okay. Continue up through the stones. And eventually you get to a door at the top of these stairs. Your legs begin to feel the exertion from the amount of stairs that you've climbed up. Um, even Godfrey and his athleticism maybe gets a little sweaty. There is clearly a lot of exertion to get to where you're going physically. But Rudy just continues at this methodic, steady pace. Garakaius is like fully panting behind you as he, you walk up these stairs. You come to a door the top made of like this raw walnut kind of wood there's no handle on it but you can tell it's a door based on like the panes that are carved into it one on the top and one on the bottom and he just taps his staff on the door twice and it opens inward he walks through I will follow. Awesome. Ed. Livy. You fall asleep in the grass. The rest of your friends... What are some of the last things you think before you fully go into your slumber? Livy's last thoughts are, I really should turn. I really should turn or else um, this buckle will dig into my hip as I fall asleep. And then he falls asleep before. Great. Um, You fall asleep like normal um it's just kind of this awake and then not feeling and then you find yourself lying on something soft and pillowy can't really tell what it is it feels almost maybe like silk and the sun is shining high above you can smell a fresh salty breeze coming off of the water reminds you of Florencia and slowly there comes a face you see them almost from the waist up only as they bend down just one of those amorphous blobs that happen in your dreams where you know it's a person. You know that they cared about you. You know that they existed, but you don't know who it is. And as you try to move at all, you're unable to. You see these gold edges around you move your eyes into the peripheries. You seem to be laying in a casket that is open. And someone seems to be paying you your last respects. That person moves away and another amorphous blob face takes shape over you. Can Libby say anything? You can't move your lips. But what do you try to say as you think? Um. I am not 100% dead yet. Get me out. 
There's no response. You don't hear your voice in the room. You don't get any indication that anyone could hear you. The next face of the person that looks down at you is Ziba. (sighs) Livy is a little bit relieved because at least whatever killed him didn't kill her too. Mm. Um, he tries saying something to Zippa, even though he knows it's, it's not going to work. What do you try to say? I'm sorry. I broke our promise. I'm sorry I can't be there. Sibba. You find yourself falling to sleep quickly with your exhaustion from the day on the road. And also rather quickly find yourself dreaming back in the schoolhouse in Synthgrab. As you sit at your desk, the teacher walking through the desks with a timed test in front of you. It seems to be like a math equations test. And every couple of seconds, you feel your eyelids getting heavy and you jolt yourself back awake. What are you thinking? Hmm. Am I aware that I'm dreaming? As aware as anyone who's dreaming is aware that they're dreaming. That is a controversial statement right there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm assuming Ziva's not entirely aware this is a dream. Hmm. And so the only thought is, dang, I need to finish this test. Cannot feel this test. (laughs) You go to try to grab your pen, dip it in the ink to try and write the answers, and your hand just falls to the ground as your eyes close again and you jolt yourself back awake. Am I allowed to, like, raise my hand? Yeah. What do you raise your hand to say? I want to ask the teacher if I can get a drink of water. This is a timed test, Ziba. We've done this before. You don't need a drink of water. You'll be done in a minute and 30 seconds. Oh my god, I'm running out of time. Ziba will sit down and try again to stare really hard at the paper and just answer the questions as quickly as possible. Yeah, you get through like three or four, like maybe the whole top line, and then the pen slowly falls and you catch yourself falling asleep again at the table. I think this was, it was just like violently fighting it and maybe no longer even focusing on like the math problems, but just focusing on like trying to fo- stare at anything to get the eyesight to focus and focus on the questions in front of her as I'm assuming her vision is just kind of blurring in and out, in and out, but trying to read the question and it's just blurring out again as she struggles to stay awake. Yeah, give me a constitution saving throw. Uh, 20. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. Uh, incredible. Um, you become aware of the fact that you are dreaming. Okay. And as soon as you have that thought, dreaming Ziva falls asleep 
and you wake back up. You're sitting on the back of a magically animated wagon that's being pushed through an orchard of apples. All your siblings are running around picking the apples. They're like, hurry, Zippo, mom said if we get this done before five, we'll, we'll get ice cream. There's only five minutes left. Am I in the wagon? Are we on the way? Wait, what's happening? <laughs> this, this feels very dreamlike of... Okay, I'm assuming that I just know what needs to be done here, because that's what happens in dreams. You're just like, yeah, this is what I need to do. So at that, she'll just, I don't know, try and hop down from the wagon, see if she can run faster than it to get there in time. I ain't missing out on that ice cream. Yeah, you run out of the wagon and you start running to your house. And as you're running to the house, the landscape changes again and you look behind and you're being chased by gnolls. Do I have my sword on me? Could I make my have my sword on me? You can make it so that you have your sword on you. As you go to pull the sword out from your side, your whole body kind of falls asleep again and you kind of trip and fall on the ground as your weight of your sword falls with you. Oh God. I think <sighs> forgotten about ice cream. That never happened. Um <laughs> I think at this point I was going to be trying so hard to like either lift her sword or you and if she can't pick it up, use it as a crutch to get try to get somewhere away from the knolls behind something. I don't know what's available in this world. Yeah, you, you look around and you seem to, as if you are helping co-create this dream, a woods kind of forms around you a little more dense than that of like a intentionally planted orchard you see a bunch of bushes and even sort of a broken down wagon tipped over on the side of the road as you use your sword digging the tip of it into the ground once again to get yourself away from the knolls they seem to be coming rather really quickly i feel like as it like continues to try and get away she's just her steps become more and more faltered as she starts falling to the ground a few more and the vision becomes more blurred and so it's it's almost like is she falling because she she doesn't have the strength, or is she just falling because she can't see the ground? Is it like her vision just blurs before her, just collapsing every step before eventually, like it, probably towards the end, just almost like trying to crawl and like drag herself behind the tree. Mm. Yeah. Give me another Constitution check. Twenty-one. You into a different scenario. And with that, Scylla, what are you thinking as you head to sleep? Uh, I think Scylla, as she's laying down, drifting off, is concerned that she didn't ask enough before this mm. what we're doing, just laying our heads down in the middle of the woods and is concerned, but I think is too far into it. I think after, you know, it's like after taking some cough syrup at night, you are in that weird place of, oh, fuck, did I, should I have, it's too late, I can't climb back out of this. Mm. Finally, the, the darkness overtakes you as you fall asleep and eventually you find yourself walking down a long empty hallway covered in windows there's vines like English ivy and other trailing vines that cover the entire floor and the walls around these windows. And as you walk, you don't ever get any closer to the end until almost all of a sudden, like a snap, you are. And in front of you is a giant mirror. It's still a 
stops for a second and kind of bends down and touches her calves. I think after walking all that way, even in this state, can feel a strain and ache on her calves. And when she comes back up, she straightens up and looks into the mirror and kind of beyond her own reflection and behind her at the distance she's just come. You don't see anything behind you anymore. Just brilliant white. She focuses on her own face. You see your pink hair, your shiny new armor. Then something catches your eye. You notice, you can see the tension in your face from holding your jaw a little rigidly tight. Scylla takes her hands and takes her fingers gently and sort of presses and goes to stretch and let out that tension. She kind of cricks her neck a little bit, feels around a little bit more and down and into her neck and tries to pull. It doesn't move. And in fact, the more that you move your neck and push with your fingers, the tighter you can feel every single muscle in your jaw clench. And out of frustration, she tries to let out some sort of something to try and push through it. And realizing that the more that she's trying, the harder that tension is. Keeps increasing till you just feel your teeth start to ache. I think she is going to brace against the mirror and not hard. I'm not going to hit it, but I am going to sort of brace myself up against it and just try one more time very quickly to unclench my jaw. As you brace your hand against the mirror, you feel fingers entwine in yours from the other side. So you see your own reflection smiling at ease back at you. I think on feeling this, uh, her hand's going to stay. I think she's going to steady herself on this hand, but seeing the smile, Scylla's face, she she bites down harder. She's not at this point trying to Mm. open. She grits down harder and is not comforted by this. You feel a pop as one of your back molars kind of twists in its position. She tries to let out some sort of sound again with her mouth still closed, but I I think at this point I am trying to articulate some sort of frustration. Yeah, you let out like a guttural growl. In the same time that that sound comes out of your mouth, you hear the lightest, most happy giggle from your reflection in unison. At this point, the pain is causing tears. And I, I think when that happens, it's hard to tell whether this is out of feeling mocked or the pain of my back molars twisting out of place that you see just a couple of tears start to fill up in Scylla's eyes. Mm. And she, oh, I was going to say on, on that grip on herself in that mirror, I think she holds down harder and tries to dig her nails into the back of that hand. Mm. You do so. There's still blood. 
where I guess you have said, yep, I'm in, and gone to sleep in the woods in this strange in-between place where the nature feels off and the sun isn't fully set. Are there any last thoughts that you have before you fully doze off? I think Marcus is... That moment before you fall into sleep, sort of like... When you're pretty far out in the water at the beach, and you can see the drop-off into the abyss. Uh, there's this... Just a moment of Morgus thinking about Apple equations and proofs about what he was working on in his journal the night before, what he started working on, that reflection on the being able to do something more with his visions than just experience them. Hmm. Yeah. With that final thought, you let the deep dark black of sleep take over you. And it's slow at first, you know, in the way that you realize you're awaking to a dream comes in like starts and colors and the scent of baked goods, smell of musty pages, the soft voices echoing through a large chamber. So you're able to fully see that you're sitting in one of the foyers at the College of Seoul in a comfy reading chair in a fireplace close by cozy blue rug underfoot and shelves and shelves and shelves of 30 foot high bookshelves surrounding you uh, I'm gonna look down do I have a do I have a book in my hands, or am I just kind of enjoying the, the ambiance? You have a book in your hands. As you look down at it, it seems to be open as if you were mid-reading, but it doesn't... You can see that it's language, but you don't know what it says. You flip to the cover, you can see there's a title, and you know that it's a title, but you don't know what it is. And the way that things are wonky in dreams... I think Marcus will sort of, I'm imagining a book that when it's shut, it's like pretty thick. Like you, you, you almost have to hold it with both hands. <laughs> um, get up and look around and see if, see if he might've grabbed it from a shelf close by or. Yeah. You wander into the shelves of the library and where you once were, the fireplace seems to disappear behind you as it elongates these shelves of book in an unnatural way. You can still hear the crackling of fire, the scent of baking. And you see the shadow of a large figure reflected in the candelabra light, the magical flumination that fills this library. Just in the shelf next to you, maybe. 
Do I do I recognize the figure? They seem to be large and elephantine in shape. I think Morgus's heart will race a little bit, and he'll uh, he'll he'll turn toward uh, maybe the source of the light to see if the figure is is there, or try yeah. to find the source of the light to see the figure. You turn around the shelf to look up at the light and look into the row. There's no one there. Summon Bitsy. Mm. I can. She doesn't appear. I think Morgus is going to be. His his heart's going to kind of start to race a little bit. Give me an intelligence saving throw. Sure. Uh, Fifteen. All right. Fourteen. Okay. (laughs) Numbers are hard. Yeah. (laughs) Um. She doesn't appear. Godfrey, you follow Rudy through the door up these stairs as you enter into this new room. This stone and wood motif flows throughout, and Rudy walks to the center and stops and turns toward you. This room kind of reminds you of, like, an interior room of a zoo. You can see different people in different types of scenes and scenarios being played out through the windows. Uh, and Rudy turns toward you. Have you ever been to the realm of dreams? Which is the place you go when you sleep? I used to nightly. Not recently. Would you prefer me to refer to you as the Dark Lord of Nightmares or as the Lord of Earth? God of the Earth. You can just call me a Rudy. Very well. We are the family now. Champion of Nyx. No, in a chamber such as this, I have never been. And this is you. And he waves a hand toward one of the glass viewing areas. And you see yourself, Godfrey, in a nightmarish scenario. You... Eyes turned blood red all through the whites, hacking and killing everything in sight. Yeah, that one was all too common. Does this still haunt you? I'd almost prefer to have it than to not. Well, you're in luck. Everyone must give of themselves to enter my realm. So, Gander, these glasses, when you've lived and conquered your fears, you can enter through that door. Points to another door on the other side of the room. 
I'll see you soon. And he walks through the door and leaves you there with Garakaius. When I've lived and conquered my fears, Godfrey asked Garakaius. Yeah, it was kind of cryptic, huh? It's kind of a lifelong event, not something one does in an afternoon in a sitting area. Have a look around. He starts wagging his tail as he wanders about the room. Godfrey will look around. Yeah, you look. There are four of these observation type of windows in this room. And as you approach the first one, you see almost cinematic, like a camera view shot perfectly dramatically Livy in a glass casket moving his eyes around Godfrey will look closer the camera kind of moves you see Ziba looking down at Livy sobbing Godfrey will watch. All right. Livy. Seba slowly moves on. And Scylla approaches. Not, not a tear in her eye. But concern. Stifling a feeling behind her stoic face. Lays a flower across your chest. One of the crocuses from the back garden at the cottage. Scylla moves on. Next is Morgus, who is a mess. Blue glitter eyeliner, gold glitter eyeliner streaming down his face. His beard is unbraided. His gown askew. And finally, another person approaches. They're about 5'10". Female woman with bob-cut blonde hair and a gorgeous silver dress over brown skin. As I look down toward you, a smile crosses her face. Her fangs extend. As you see, your old friend. Godfrey, you see this all happen as well. What is Libby thinking? the audacity of this woman. He's about to think something else and then autocorrects himself. She touches your hands where they're crossed. It's okay, darling. You'll get through this. You always do. This... How did she even... Why are you here? Visiting an old friend. The first person that responds to your thoughts. 
How can you hear me? Because you're not dead. Is this real? This doesn't feel real. There's a flash. You're outside. You can hear the crashing of waves. You can feel the cold water against the bottom of the casket. You can hear singing in the distance. Her face is no longer above you. Livy starts taking, like, can you move now? Not really. You can kind of start to articulate your fingers, your toes, but you can't fully move any of your appendages yet. Um, can you hear anything else besides the rushing of water? Yeah, you hear singing, you hear the crackling of a fire, you hear Ziba sobbing. I wasn't ready for him to go yet! Is it possible for Livy to cast spells when he hears that? When he hears that. What do you want to do? He casts Shatter. You cast the magic, nothing happens. Um, he tries moving his limbs. He's, he tries like kicking out of the casket. Unable to do so. But as you cast that spell, I would say you begin to hear your voice in your own ears as you begin to have the ability to speak. This can't be real. This isn't real. God for you hear this. Mm-hmm. Erica, I asked you, I suppose this is Livy's nightmare then. Uh maybe the Silva's crying. <laughs> he like dog points with his paw towards the window across the way from Livy. Right. You look over, you see Morgus next to Scylla and Ziba next to Livy. Ziba running very slowly away from gnolls that are about to reach her position. Like running's a strong word. Falling, stumbling. I don't understand. Am I just supposed to watch all of this? Uh, what, what, what was your nightmare? I mean, he showed me one where I was in a blind rage, just kind of fighting things. Mm-hmm. But like, why, why was that a nightmare? I was out of control. Hmm. Hmm. I trust them to make it out of this. Surely they'll all realize eventually that it's a nightmare they're having. Uh, okay. Don't seem to be doing too well. <laughs> he like runs over to Ziva. Ziva, you stumble just as a knoll hops on your back. And you... Was a 17 hit? Mm-hmm. You take six slashing damage as the claws slash into your back. And you're transferred to a new scenario. You're back in the maze. 
and the snake women are calling your name. Can't see them. Ziba! Well, Ziba's been in the maze before. I think she knows she has something to do here. So I feel like she's just going to start running towards where she remembers the end of the maze being. Okay, give me an intelligence check. Once before, this is going to go great. You can do history if you'd prefer. It's not going to be bad. Three. You don't know where you're going. You're running away from snake women who tried to kill you before. And I guess I'm trying to run away from the snake who he tried to kill me before. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm not doing so hot. I keep running into bush walls. Yeah. You run into a bush wall. And then you jolt awake only to find that you've been asleep for you don't know how long. On the ground next to one of the sides of the bushes of the maze. Oh no. You still hear the calling of your voice. It's a little bit closer now. Did she like actually fall asleep or was it just like she was so out of it she couldn't tell whether she was awake or not? I think at this point Zippa's just flushed from head to toe she knows it's not a dream but that doesn't entirely matter because the feeling of needing to get through this maze is almost stronger and knowing that even if she were to exit the dream she hadn't accomplished that she's just still stuck in it and so as she's trying to like focus hard enough to complete the dream She's just trying to like, again, her vision's like tunneling and she's trying to focus as she just feels flush and clammy and nauseous. And she's gotten slow, closer and closer to whether can't tell if she's fallen asleep or awake or out of the dream or into the dream. She's just trying to focus on a singular point to get some semblance back, but to end it, but powerless to really move at this point as she's just trying to focus on a spot in front of her. Yeah. As you're focusing, you hear What? I think hearing this, Sybil will try to get to her feet, but again, she at this point her vision's just a small point in front of her and she tries to get up and just using almost climbing the bushes to keep her on her feet trying to approach the voice you see a satyr woman standing maybe 30 feet away from you down this corridor of vines we're just focusing straight on that woman and only that point trying to get there. Yeah, you you continue forward. Give me that card save. Twenty-two. Damn, girl. I'm decent at con saves. <laughs> you fall asleep. Find yourself sitting on a beach. I think Elizabeth doesn't even register that first and is again just trying like jolts herself up trying to to find what she was doing or remember what, what what she was trying to do or accomplish or look for and just very uh can't get the thoughts straight to remember what needed to be done but with just this over sense of urgency of something needed to be done. Hmm. The tiniest of little crabs comes and sits on your hand. So you have one down at your side in the sand. 
and another one comes up next to you. You hear the scuttling of giant feet as more crabs come closer and closer. I think at this point we'll just almost like a memory turned into a reliving of the experience. We'll be taken back to the beach with the crabs and immediately stand up and try to arm herself to take them on once again. Yeah. Godfrey. Mm-hmm. Are you doing anything? I think Godfrey has like a hand on the glass. He's just watching. Cool. Scylla. You dig your fingernails into the hand extended toward you through the mirror. Your jaw is clenching harder and harder. So you start to cry. Each little like sob through the clenched jaw that you can get out which isn't a lot, which makes this an even hor- more horrible situation. There's just this... <laughs> the more it does that, Scylla is now pushing back. And I think into the mirror and she sort of wipes with one hand and looks up and is visibly frustrated at the reflection that she sees laughing at her and pushes through and harder if she can. Yeah, you push through. There's like, uh, the hand allows you and kind of moves with you as you would almost like a friend drawing in for a hug and you feel another hand grasp your other arm. You see it through the mirror too. As she's just like smiling And as you look up frustrated at yourself, she goes in like the most happy animated surprise. Scylla lets go and tries again to open her jaw. And when she does this, she's bawling her fists and really trying to put as much energy as she can, knowing what it's going to feel like. You knock one of those molars completely loose. You get the rush of blood in your mouth. You feel it kind of jostling around on your tongue. The blood starts to kind of come out of the side of your cheek through the little pret where your lips are pressed together. I think instinctually she tries to go and spit. And when... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I'm gonna wait a second before I. I'm gonna wait a second before I. <laughs> this timing is everything. She tries to spit the blood. Mm-hmm. You're not able to. It just kind of like, like, falls out of your mouth. I think in her again reflex and frustration and exasperation kind of gasps and inhales and sucks back the tooth. Mm -hmm. Give me constitution save. You're also going to take two bludgeoning damage as you break out your own tooth. What? Constitution? Mm -hmm. Fifteen. You're able to uh, cough it back up out of the back of your throat. Still the reflection just smiling, looking at you with the the most love and compassion and happiness. I think Scylla, fists at her side, still just so tense, is now very intensely looking at this thing and begging for some sort of understanding and communication and the pain that she's feeling right now. As you stare and you look further, 
the nose of the person starts to change ever so slightly. The hair, you catch a few strands here and there as she's like laughing and putting it behind her ear, changes from pink to blue until slowly the whole head changes. The whole body changes, what she's wearing changes. And you see your sister from what she looked like in King Thedonis' study. Scylla immediately shuts her eyes. And after a few minutes, opens them again. A minute's moment. She's smiling, laughing, kind of petting your arm, consoling you, but also laughing and smiling. And Scylla sort of urges toward her and is gesturing towards her jaw and scrunching her hands and and just looking for some sort of relief and respite. She looks back at you and in your sister's voice you just hear Sylla, why do you never let yourself be happy? And she wipes some of the blood that's spilled from her clenched mouth and just holds it up. You don't have to be in pain. Scrunches her hand up. It's okay to be different. And everything she's saying, you realize as she says this third sentence, is a replay of the last conversation you had with your sister before you left your hometown. She reaches out to put her hand on the forearm of this figure of her sister. And it's gentler and she's less clenched and just rests her arm there. You see a little, you feel a little bit of the tension subside, just ever so slightly. So we head back to Godfrey. We got blood over here. Garakaius is watching Scylla. Godfrey goes over and... What? I don't really understand this fear. And Livy's in a box. Zilla's running from things, but what's wrong with Scylla? I don't know. She's not You're able to friend. open her jaw? Can mm-hmm. I make a medicine check to see if there's sure, something yeah. afflicting Z- mm-hmm. It's not great. Like a 13. Liz? It's not medical. Hmm. You do notice the reflection is the same woman that you all saw at King Thedonis' study who dropped the cookies. I wonder why Scylla is dreaming about this person (laughs) thinking the donuts. I don't. Yeah. Uh oh. Uh, What have they gotten themselves into? Get ready for another horror episode for episode 19. If you're liking what you're hearing, be sure to follow, like, subscribe, comment, ring the bell, join with Prime Game Subbing, donate on Ko-Fi, all the things that you could possibly do to help us uh, keep getting listeners and followers and to continue to make content is very, very, very much appreciated. 
intro and outro by Nolan Clock. Everything else by myself in the cast. I hope you have a great day. Thank you.